0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Your Vibes Podcast. Everybody's got a vibe and a story to tell. Here's this one. I hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. Here we are back again with another episode of Your Vibes Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate everybody that's been listening so far. Uh, For those of you, if this is your first episode to dive in, I've got a uh, fantastic guest here today, a well-known man, principal of Dixie County High School, and uh, coach as well and just a, an all-around good guy. So uh, I'd like to welcome Mr. Joey Holly. How are you?
1: I'm very well and thank you for your kind comments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're very welcome and uh, we were just chatting before and um, pardon me if I you know say some things that may be obvious information. I'm, I haven't lived in Dixon my whole life so I'm going to kind of try to dig out of you uh, a little bit of, uh, of your life and kind of how you got to be you know where you are today and um, you know your passion for teaching and leading and um, obviously coaching as well too so uh, if you want to maybe just kind of lead us down your journey a little bit to you know being the principal and um, kind of what took you there and uh, then we can kind of branch off wherever we may see fit okay
1: well I'll start going I'll backdate it a little bit I, when I got out of college I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do but I didn't quite finish and had the opportunity to buy a business that was locally in town it was a music and video store, and uh, I did that for four years. Uh, two years was awesome, as good as you could possibly expect it, and the last two was not so well. That's why I'm no longer in business, but uh, had the opportunity to at least try to be an entrepreneur in town in Dixon. Uh, Tom Hayes back then was uh, president of the bank and leader, and he always wanted young people to get involved and to, and to do try to do great things in the community, and he was always very supportive of that, so had the opportunity to buy a business uh, and uh, you know, got the opportunity to try it out. It didn't work out, but uh, learned a lot of things about the value of a dollar, uh, if nothing else, and uh, uh, took, that, took that opportunity to go back to school afterwards. I, I was very fortunate at the time to get a job at Primdor locally in town. Uh, and uh, was working customer service, and it didn't take me long to realize that's not really what I wanted to do. Uh, Obviously, I went to school originally to probably teach, was probably eventually my goal, but got jump-started in 1996. I got an opportunity to uh, teach at Hickman County High School, teaching gifted kids, which is kind of crazy to think about now, but I got to coach with uh, Chuck Daniel at Hickman County, and uh, that's where I started. Uh, my, de- my degree and my certification to teach was actually in business, but I got an opportunity to start there and then working on my certification, got business and got certified and was able to teach and coach at the mater at Dixon County High School in 97. Okay. So that was actually my first year, uh, to start teaching and, um, Probably back then, probably the first four or five years that I was involved in things, I got into education so that I could coach. Mm. I wanted to really coach football. I coached track also at Dixon County High School. And probably within five to 10 years of that, I realized I enjoyed teaching as much as I did coaching. So it doesn't, you know, I think everyone that's young, ambitious, and wants to coach, um, you know, obviously got to get into teaching to do that. But you learn so many cool lessons in the classroom as much as you do on the football field or on a track uh, to try to help, you know, mold the minds of young students. So uh, it was a great opportunity uh, to learn to be able to teach and coach at the same time and for them to coexist. So going into that, I probably taught for about 17 years. And then uh, prior to Creekwood being built, I was in, an I was teaching vocational classes. It was um uh, uh, international business, which was an economics equivalent, uh, small business management, personal finance. And those classes were shrinking when Creekwood was started because I didn't have as many students in the building that were taking those classes. So I could tell really quick that I was going to be, um, you know, not necessarily looking for a job, but I was really going to have to sell the program in order to get students uh, to take the classes. So got my master's at Grand Canyon University. On top of my degree at MTSU in administration, just in case the teaching gig didn't work out, and it really wasn't long after that that I got the opportunity to be an assistant principal for six years, and now I'm on my sixth year as being principal at Dixon County High School. So that I don't know if that was how much information you were looking for, but that's perfect.
0: uh, Yeah, and um, I'd kind of like to get a little more detail on on a couple of those things. So. um when you were at Hickman uh with the teaching gifted children gifted children what uh what kind of what did that entail I, that's a that's a really interesting um jumping pad you know to really kind of start that off um uh, what uh so was it special aid class or was it you know uh uber smart children or I mean how, how did that work it was uber smart kids okay. smarter
1: than me uh probably more than likely <laughs> And that wouldn't have take, taken much back then or now, to be quite honest with you. But it was uh, they ranged from uh, second grade to a junior in high school. There was about 15 of them. And I was responsible for them two days a week. And then the other three days I would work in special ed, helping other teachers out in, in whatever way that I could. But uh, two days a week was dedicated to having those kids all day long and you know it really sounds great Mm -hmm. uh if you had a great curriculum and a great set of books or a mindset of someone that had been there done that to Mm -hmm. share with you it would be great but here i was a a first-year teacher that didn't know squat and nothing was given to me they basically the kids were here they're yours and uh, and that nothing badly to say about hickman county it was just that's what i mean i asked for the job and they expected me to be able to pull it off. So it was, it was very tough. I had a, we had a lot of fun. I'm not sure how much they learned, but um, it was, it was a good start, you know, but the range from second grade to juniors in high school was just such a, the majority of them were in middle school. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing uh, at all yeah. and to try to teach them a whole lot of anything. This was really when the internet was kind of just getting started there just wasn't a whole lot of resources out there to even search at the time you know now it wouldn't be a bad idea even if you didn't have a curriculum you could find something online to you know to challenge these students but um, there just wasn't anything back there then so it was it was a challenge to say the least.
0: I can imagine yeah and there's um, you know those situations where you gotta uh, some of these institutions really don't um, like you said aren't really set up to kind of deal with with something like that and um it is what it is you know but now yeah now that there's material out there and um you know educational online systems and stuff that are kind of catered towards that uh knowledge standpoint of sorts you know it's really helped a lot of kids out and um hopefully it'll continue to go down that path so uh so you jumped to Dixon County High School and started coaching um football and track so what what Position coach? Were you head coach or
1: I coached receivers? Okay. uh, On uh, offense, I didn't uh, coach any defense at the time. I I tried to play receiver at MTSU, so I had I had some knowledge of it. You know, I wasn't the best athlete, but I had knowledge of what receivers needed to do. So I got to coach uh, some great talent when I first came here. uh, Joey Walker was six foot five, two hundred pounds back then. He was a stud. Nate Dixon. Uh, they were, uh, I want to say they're 98 graduates. But to coach them and just being able to coach so many cool kids, and I, you know, I would dare not start mentioning all of them, but those were two of my first receivers. And uh those two, between Nate Dixon and Joy Walker, it didn't matter. If you threw the ball up, they were going to get it. So it was fun, you know, to get to start out at, you know, that year being able to coach those guys. But. Coaching, uh, my focus was receivers, and then uh, at that same year, I was a head track coach. Also. Okay.
0: Um, and you were teaching at the same time? When did you start out teaching?
1: Um, it's funny. One of my classes was note taking that I had to wow. teach, and once again, there was no book on note taking, so that was quite a challenge. And it was block schedule back then, also, so it was a ninety-minute <laughs> class, and it was note taking. <laughs> so uh, that was. So did t- you
0: just make it all? <laughs> yes, you, you just
1: yes. I, you know, it's That's embarrassing like, to say, but no, I mean, what, what you do you do? Sure. You know, you you teach and you got you know there's some smart kids in your room, and you're trying to teach them. And, and even then, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot of material out there. The Internet was nothing like it is now. You could find all kind of things now. Several books on it, and uh, they're just – it was a class that probably didn't make but a couple of years, and that was it. But my main class that I loved teaching was international business because it was an economics equivalent. So a lot of students took that so they didn't have to take economics. Mm. And then, to be honest with you, my passion always was the personal finance. Um you know, as well as I do, and anyone out there that's been around long enough, most of the time, the first thing we do with money is it's a mistake. You know, Mm -hmm. we've made a a huge mistake with money. And, you know, I mentioned owning a business and, you know, understanding the, the importance and the value of a dollar and, you know, how you should treat your money. And I just, I went into that class with a passion of you know, don't make the same mistakes that I did. If you'll just listen and and do these things, I used a lot of Dave Ramsey and a okay. lot of a lot of those tips and talked about peace puppies and you know all those steps mm. that he talked about. But we would roll that into the curriculum, and uh, you you knew that teaching the classes that I taught, you know, sometimes uh, English and math and science has a hard time selling that the students really need this in their lives. Well personal finance sells itself when you're talking about money and it was a really easy to class to teach. And uh, you knew you had buy-in from them because when you start telling them how much money they could have by retirement, if you would just do these simple steps mm-hmm. using compound interest in things, you sure. know, you can really see some cool stuff. So it was a, a very fun class to teach and didn't really have to, you didn't have to have a whole lot of knowledge about that because it was a lot of communication with the students. They would, ask a lot of questions and they would bring stuff home and then they would bring it to the classrooms mm-hmm. it was uh, it was always a very a cool class to teach so matter of fact back then if uh, you know you didn't have to take personal finance to graduate um, now you do okay. and I'm, I, w- I would almost go back to the classroom now because I just love that class but now the seniors have to take that before they graduate so I wouldn't have to worry about not having enough students in my room (laughs) like I did back then.
0: So what is that? I'm kind of enthralled in that uh, whole scenario right there because obviously the financial situation that a lot of people, including our country, um, kind of put themselves in seems to be uh, maybe because of a disconnect they have with the relation to their personal finance. And um, I know that, you know, in the kind of the mainstream education system, it's not necessarily, you know, taxes and credit cards and, you know, bills and management. It's not really beaten in, um, to their brain, kind of the way, uh, it would really need to be in order to, you know, should they not want to go on to college, which is, you know, their, um, their own choice. And, you know, obviously people are just as successful one way or the other, but to have kind of that core foundation of, 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 of a finance of just kind of how life works, um, did, uh, for me personally, I'm extremely hands-on. So sitting in that class, you know, would have been great for me, but did y'all include any sort of, you know, exercises or, um, you know, maybe group projects as far as here's a business and here's a situation it's in kind of thing. Were they able to kind of go through those steps as well? Yeah, we,
1: we would go to different extremes. One of the, well, two main things we did first was budgeting and they would, um, you know, be basically given a scenario as an individual, Two different scenarios of being single, uh, making $36,000 a year, find you a place to live, find you a car, work on groceries, your utilities, you know, plan all it. They had a plan in front of them, but they had to go search and, and find that stuff And um, based on that amount of money. And they would always look at me at 36000 I said, do the math and see how much that would be making an hour. And then I think you'll realize, I don't know what you guys think you're going to make, but mm-hmm. this is probably what you're going to start out making unless you're a doctor or something else. And even if you do that, you don't start sure, you know, making six figures. So we would take that scenario. And most of the times that was easy for them, but it was a hands-on thing. They had to look through newspapers. We, I'd brought in tons of Sunday papers back then. You know, it was huge, big thick paper and they could look at classified ads to find all that information. And then, and then the bomb was dropped on them. Now they're married with two kids. And they had to pay for daycare, mm-hmm. and uh, had you know all things diapers or formula or whatever you know, and it was very eye opening to the point where they were frustrated. But we also taught you know tithing, and no matter what you've got mm-hmm. to do that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there was a lot of bite back from that. They sure. didn't didn't agree, but they didn't have any idea back then. I want to say it was like 750 bucks for two kids a month mm-hmm. for daycare. And they were like, my mama's going to keep them. No, mamas need to be grandmamas. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be daycare. <laughs> you know, so we went and, you know, taught those lessons through it. And then, you know, beside the budgets, I used to always, in group projects, they had to come up with a business that no one has ever thought of before. You know, and, and basically they had to promote a video It's like an infomercial about their business. Mm. So it was usually a nine week long project that they got to get in groups and work together and plan this video out. And they had to, and there were some really great ideas uh, with that, but um, just some challenging things along those two lines, you know, come to mind as the two big things, but the budgeting was always a huge thing. Cause I knew basically for two weeks, like I mentioned earlier, we talked all things, Dave Ramsey, anything you could, talk about it and it rolled that in there and then uh the businesses was a hoot because they had fun you know you could tell they they bought in that because they could have fun with it now some were real funny but some were hilarious and i still have some of those <laughs> videos and i'm holding out to show one day when i get these prominent positions and i'm going to show those videos but they are hilarious i mean some very you know one uh, one that comes to mind is actually um I guess a producer um, uh, in New York right now, to be quite honest with mm-hmm. you, and she's done extremely well. she's got her own company, and she was hers was as funny as anyone's uh, that did that, so it's just funny how so that project you know, came to life
0: kind well no of. well okay. no not the okay. I, not the idea okay. but her behind it. her, okay,
1: the things that she did she's she's using comedy to help um kids that are either dying of cancer or hmm. something along those lines. And they did a really cool story on her. I think she made a big time news station uh, seems like, um, but anyway, when you see your students, you know, um, it was no shock. And we've got uh, others that are, you know, I've got one that is on a Geico commercial now. No way. So, um, you know, she's done awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she would, I believe she was on the same team with the same student. So, but anyway, back, back then there were some projects you, you know, you, There was so much more now going on than there was then. You could take these classes now and do so many things with them, but you know, back then you're still, there was not a lot of internet. It's hard to even say that, but it it wasn't. It wasn't as strong as it is now and to come up with more ideas, but it was always fun to see what students would come up with for budgets. You know, I always have one guy says he's going to buy a camper and he's going to live in the camper and he's going to save all this money and have $10 million by the time he was 40. You know, it's always somebody that bucks the system. So you got to tweak sure. tweak your budgeting plan and all. But it was something that, you know, I tell this a lot. And the great thing about being in education is running into students and um, seeing them later and have somebody, you know, I was at Old Charlie's one time. And a former student came up to me and he said, "Hey, I want to show you my my car." Like, okay, I was expecting, you know, he's some rich car he's mm-hmm. bought. And it seemed like there was a BMW or a Mercedes out in the lot and I said, "Is it that one?" He said, "No, there's a new truck over here." "No, not that one either." He said, "It's that one." And there was just this beat-up, old, huge jalopy-looking Cadillac <laughs> of a car. And he said, I just want to tell you that I paid cash for that car. Um, doesn't look great, but it gets me where I need to go. My wife's in college right now. We haven't borrowed a penny for her college. We've saved money. And basically, we've done everything that you told us to do. Wow. So I want to tell you, thank you. You know, it's rare that a student comes up and have that situation. But, you know, you know. when I thought back at that guy in class, he never looked like he was ever paying attention. You know, didn't give a rip. And... He's sure soaking it all in, was. so you just you just never know, you know the impact. That's the, that's the greatest thing about being involved in education is because you, you have the opportunity to make a difference in kids' lives, and that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. If anybody's in it for any other reason, it's you know, it's it's just not right. It's not the right reason to be in it. So, but anyway, that, yeah, that, that having that
0: opportunity that. for sure, especially for such kind of a, a vulnerable age, you know that that high school age, everybody's. You're going through puberty. You're getting introduced to girls and guys, and going out and driving, and um, it's a it's a fine line to walk, you know, between, you know, uh, give it, you know, you have the opportunity as a teacher to impress upon them, but they in turn also have the opportunity to kind of listen to you. So how do you, you know, how is that balance taken care of? And um, you had mentioned that you know it was. Obviously, a lot different um, back then, as far as you know, technology or the way that education was gone about, and obviously the internet and social pressures and everything like that as well too. So, um, kind of from, and we, we we may branch out a little bit just to kind of get into the, like bring the county in and kind of the discussion, but from a high school standpoint, you know, um, for as long as that you've been you know dedicated and over there. Um, kind of what are what are some, obviously, technology and whatever, and, and like we just mentioned prior, but um, as far as, I guess, students just in general, you know, the, the dynamic of, of, you know, let's just pretend 2020 didn't happen. You know, we may get into that. But um, as far as kind of that um, relationship between the student and the teacher or, you um, kind of, I guess, disciplinary measures that obviously weren't existent back then? Or, um, you know, what are some things that, you know, as an educator and and as a high school, you know, as a leader in the high school, um, you know, what are some scenarios that maybe have been thrown your way over the past or here recently that uh, you, I guess you may have never thought you were going to have to deal with? or Well, a lot of it's culture-related, I
1: guess, for lack of better words. You know, when I went to school, I was – I graduated in 83. I, I can't think of eight people maybe that came from a broken home where mm. they didn't have mom and dad, you know, at home with them. And uh, now it's probably a well over 50% of all of our students are at a broken home. If I was just taking a stab at it, I don't have that in front of me to prove that, but I would say it's close to 50%. So, you know, when you come from um, a time where he, most people had mom and dad, you know, To the point where 50% of them, you know, probably are coming from a broken home. Uh, 20% of them are living with grandparents. Grandparents are having to raise the students or the children. And in some cases, probably, you know, 1% to 5% area, they're not living with anyone. They're Mm -hmm. living with friends because they've Mm -hmm. got nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the... The troubles that can come with that mm-hmm. or, you know, just the, the burden that the kid's going through. And, you know, they, you know, the thing that we talk about often in teacher meetings and things is that you just really don't know what a student is going through when they're at home. You know, in our day, you didn't think about bringing guns to school. Uh, everybody probably had a gun in their truck because mm-hmm. they were going hunting afterwards and nobody thought a thing about it or now the social emotional changes that are going on with with the kids that we get now uh, it's just it's a big difference so the the culture there with just the family and I, we could talk about this all day mm-hmm. but I won't talk I won't go in depth with that but you know when you've got mom and dad raising a child and then you got grandparents over here raising a child mm-hmm. there's going to be a huge difference no matter what you know the kid whether it was a situation where both parents passed away or you know, drug and alcohol problems or whatever the situation. You know that kid's been through a lot. They, they, these kids don't come to our school looking for trouble. Just sometimes trouble finds them because mm-hmm. it just seems like they're a magnet for things. Or they're hanging around the wrong people because they really don't have anybody really telling them no.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so you know, back in our day, you heard no and might get slapped upside the head. Sure, and go now, pick
0: your go pick your whipping switch yes, out there, yeah.
1: And now that that day has changed. Um, you know, going back from then. You know, even when I first started teaching, you didn't run into a lot of situations. You had kids that would do anything. You know, when I played sports here, I would do any. I would run through that glass window right there for Coach Fuzzle right now, Dennis Fuzzle. <laughs> I mean, I would, right now, if he said, good, man, I would, or put my head through that door, I'd try it. And the day of that really is gone. You know, there's very few kids that just – appreciate their teachers or coaches so much that they'd go to war for them and and that's a part that's just changed you know and it is a culture change and you know the times that we're in now there's a lot of differences and you know things that that went on back then that don't go on now uh the culture of the school has also changed you know this year for the first time our hispanic population is larger than our african-american population for the first time ever in the school's history. And that's not, there's not a problem with that, sure. but you can just see, you know, um, the diversity that, that we have now in our building is way different than it was, you know, obviously back in my time, but, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that also brings some interesting opportunities, not necessarily challenges, but, you know, when you talk about discipline, that's definitely changed, you know in our in my time you know if uh, you did something you probably got trouble at school and you got in trouble at home mm-hmm. now people are looking at reasons as to why we're singling them out or picking on them or you know always getting the same kid in trouble all the time and they very rarely support us they will believe almost anything their child will say mm. and you know whether it's the truth or not and that's hard, you know, when you don't get support from parents, it's difficult, and then that, and the last thing that has compacted everything with culture is social media, and it has just put a huge wrench in most everything that we do, you know, everyone seems to think that they have a better idea or a better answer to a problem than we do, or they would have handled it this way, and it's hard when, you know, the public's out there just you know bashing you absolutely um it's hard to you know it's hard to be positive and try to be a a leader and doing the things right um but usually everything not usually everything any decision that I make and the team administrators that work with me um we do what's best for kids and if it's not best for kids we don't do it that's what we're looking for at all times. so it's tough um you know, the past in my six years as principal, it seems like something majors happened. Half of them, something major went down. You know, something crazy, and dealing with that when there's social media out there and people that doesn't really know the truth of certain situations, but they just want to chime in on things. So that that makes it tough. It I, I literally quit Facebook myself. I used to use it for our school. I never use it personally, but I use it for school because I always like to keep the community informed not just our kids and their parents but you know uh, alumni anybody in the community if they wanted to know what's going on our school they could always look at our facebook page and there was always something information wise and then secondly and most importantly we like to brag on the kids Mm -hmm. kid does something cool we put their picture on there, video or both you know and and brag about them and give those kids opportunity to you know to get some out of boys where a lot of these kids never get that you know so it was the opportunity to do that but Last year, I went through a situation where I just decided I'm I'm done with sure. uh, with that. So I always like to um, follow a famous quote. Uh, I don't know if Morgan Freeman said it, but I, I found it, and his picture was on it. And it basically said, I learned to never take criticism from someone that I wouldn't seek advice from. Mm. And that's just good stuff. And I'll I'll remember that. that. I'll I'll remember that that for the rest of my life. So, you know, with that situation, I mean, I I got a text just an hour ago from, um, from a friend that's got a child at our school and, you know, it's, it's things like this. that makes it fun and you want to keep going. It's just, just, listen, I know you've got a lot of hard decisions coming up, you know, with all this COVID mess with graduation and proms, you just, you know you're limited to what you can do and uh we're um we're making the best out of it and making the most out of every situation but she's very supportive and you know you get one of those every now and then it'll it'll make it last for two weeks you know you won't worry Mm -hmm. about you know those just crazy decisions and the you know sometimes it's it's tough to um survive through some of the situations that are going on but um it's still it's still worth it if if i go into work thinking uh that i hate my job i'll i'll turn my keys in so i'm um, sure uh, on the flip side i really enjoy you know our school the uh the 125 adults that work up at the school that work their tail off every day to do everything they can to make their you know their their students experience in high school a great one and a great memory and we're going to keep on plugging regardless of how culture changes cool. uh, or what people think of what we're doing or how we're doing it so when when you're talking about you know when we led into this little series, part of the what we're discussing with uh you know culture and discipline uh, the world's changed obviously yeah. I don't, there's not anybody that's listening that doesn't agree with that you know went to a time where you know i was talking about the respect thing uh that we would have for former coaches I think it was about 10 years ago was the first time I'd ever heard this in my life. Uh, I was talking to a kid that had been sent to my office because he got in trouble and he leaned over the desk at me and popped his chest out and said, when, when that teacher respects me, I'll respect them. And I Mm -hmm. had never heard that. And I knew, boy, the Mm -hmm. game has changed now Mm -hmm. because they, you know, a lot of people that are in that situation, it is a very small percentage, but They have no respect for authority, no respect for adults. So that makes it makes it more challenging, you know, when you're dealing with students that are doing things that they're not supposed to do. And you try to encourage them, you try to, you know, help them and try to lead them in a way to say, listen, man, you may believe that and you may have heard that at home. But I'm telling you, you're going to have a rough road to hoe, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's your mentality when you're going out in the world to get a job that's not going to work. Sure. You know, you're going to yeah. be stuck in some bad situations. So,
0: And there, yeah, I, I like your point as far as, I mean, just the, the, I guess the night and day, uh, maybe, maybe not night and day, but the different messages, you know, that they're getting from their home, you know, whatever it may be, grandparents, friends, you know, one parent, two or an aunt or an uncle, um, versus, you know, what they're getting at school. um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an odd balance, you know, and, and, um, you know, it seemingly to me from what I've learned in my 31 years of life that, um, how somebody acts externally is kind of a, a reflection of how they feel internally. Um, that's helped me not judge a lot of people and, um, have rash responses to things like that. So, uh, I, I think that's a really important point. I don't really want to get away from it quite yet. So as far as, um, obviously the culture changing and and social media having just a massive influence because those people, um, some people don't think of it as this in depth, but um, those influencers and those people that these uh, young and spongy mind kids who are still really, uh, you know, the male brain doesn't necessarily develop fully until 27, you know, so it's just you've got this malleable mind that is – extremely sensitive and vulnerable to uh, information especially repetitive information and trends and everything like that as well too and a lot of these social media influencers aren't um, the best you know and and so now they've got that aspect of you know I've got a broken home I've got this bajillionaire or this famous person telling me I need to do this this and this and this and then now I've got my teachers telling me I need to do this so it's this this whirlwind of emotional discord and 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 hysteria almost seemingly that that kind of would you know they have to take on and process and then it kind of comes out so um from a schooling standpoint and you you all may or may not be doing this but um are you and the staff taking any steps as far as um maybe in an official box or structure of, of kind of how to go about handling that and, and, and same for the students as well too. Is there anything, um, on, you know, maybe mindfulness or, um, I know you really can't teach religion, but, you know, prayer or meditation or, um, you know, anything along that realm to maybe get them out of their box or maybe instead of lashing outward, maybe turning inward and kind of doing some self-exploration, anything along those lines that you guys are working on?
1: We, um, we got a, a good friend that taught at the University School in Nashville. His name was Kevin Bainham, and uh, he was a baseball coach, a dear friend of mine. Uh, we played football together, tried to play football at MTSU together. Um, and uh, I was having some discussions with him because of our diversity change and things, and he was asking me some things, and it never really made me – think about it until I had discussions with him but he asked me did we have a diversity trainer did we have someone on staff that was basically responsible for all things diversity and I said I don't know I don't even know what you're talking about but in a private school world they had someone that was responsible for basically teaching lessons once a week they would have a um, an auditorium full of their you know the whole school and they would have lessons on diversity, how to handle this situation, how to handle that situation. And I was just, you know, kind of getting upset because, I mean, you know, in the private school world, you can do that. In public, sure. you know, you can't, you sure. don't have the resources to do that. But it did make me, I guess, inquisitive and uh, looking looking for things. So I had some conversations with him and he had, um, he has since passed away, which is just, I still can't believe to this day he's mm-hmm. gone. But he had given me some information uh, uh, of some people that we could possibly reach for. Um, I had the opportunity. I went to Phoenix two or three years ago with a group of administrators, and um, we were learning about something totally different. We had been doing it's basically a professional learning communities. I won't go in the depth of that, but it's just how to how to do those within your school to make your school better. But there was a session that was on. Um, it was it was labeled cultural bias and i thought Mm -hmm. i need to go see this one so i skipped one of the other sessions Mm -hmm. went to this one and it was probably the greatest two and a half hours that i've ever heard as far as it concerning cultural bias and uh he was an african-american gentleman his last name was holly which was interesting it was (laughs) h-o-l-l-i-e but anyway he (laughs) was just incredible and he led it and i will be able to go into the depth of this but basically it was um we're all cultural biased in some form or fashion no matter what we may think we're not but there's there's so many ways and he gave some examples and he led by seemed like his first comment was Jerry something about Jerry Springer hmm. and wanted to know how many people watched the Jerry Springer show and his whole point was that we see things on television or through social media or whatever and we believe things that we see on television just because it's thrown at us. You know, when you, he said his first things was give me some adjectives to describe, I think the situation on his screen was a picture of uh, who's the daddy, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a white female and the show was called that because they were trying to figure out who the father of a child was. And everybody threw out all these very, you know, downgrading statements because of what they automatically think and he said, What if you were somebody that really didn't know about white people, let's say, for example, and you see this on television, you just assume, well, all white people must be like that. He Mm -hmm. used some examples and some situations, and he broke down all things culturally. It was unbelievable, but it it compared to what it was like six to eight things that we see visibly every day about everyone's culture. But then underground, what we don't see is what's really feeding all Mm -hmm. this. And uh, long story short, it was just so eye-opening because every day I'm thinking, I I just said that to that kid. And what was I thinking? I Mm -hmm. never thought of it that way. So it just gave, like you said, it was basically training on how to handle someone. I'll just use a quick example. I don't want to overcook this. But um, let's say you got a student that just cannot stop interrupting class the average teacher would say shut up they might not use the word shut up you need to be quiet sit down I'll you raise your hand to answer the question I'll call on you when I want you to say something and what we don't know inside that kid's thinking okay I'm never going to answer another question again you don't think that my point is important what i learned through this you know this basically this training was that i want to say it was italian african-american there was one other culture that in their culture let's say at the dinner table everyone's speaking on top of everyone else Mm -hmm. you know there's six conversations Mm -hmm. going on five people at the table but nobody's waiting for somebody to speak they're just all talking That's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. That's what they've seen their whole life. So when they're in the classroom, that's no different. They don't want to raise their hand. They just want to speak out. Where the white culture and, you know, I can't remember the three other cultures, German, blah, 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 you get to say your point. Everybody's just watching you and listening. Nobody's interrupting. No one's saying a thing. Mm. You get your whole point out and then someone else speaks that's a cultural thing and in the classroom that's such a huge thing to understand that when you get this culture in your classroom Mm. don't kill them by saying don't say anything they're wanting to get involved and they're involved in the lesson enough that they want to speak out you just got to mold that into a way that you know you you can both work you know independently with each other basically in a classroom so it was just little things like that um you know clothing uh, there was there was probably ten to eighteen different things, but that that was one that stood out the most and and for me, also uh, you know to get in uh, a mom with a student, and I won't ever say this again, but was talking to a kid that had been in trouble a bunch, and the kid was just running his chops at his mom hmm. just not cussing not using profanity but just being so disrespectful to his mom in my eyes he's going on and on and i taught looked at his mom and i said that's our problem mm-hmm. this is what he's doing in the classroom he's being disrespectful to you and she looked at me and she said i don't think he's being disrespectful to me mm-hmm. so in my eyes sure. it's disrespectful in a mother's eyes her kids running her mouth my dad would have killed me Absolutely. if I told oh, him yeah. that way but that's a, that's a culture thing. And whether we like it, whether we agree with it, I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have learned a lot of things. You know, I, I taught some sessions, uh, some meetings with the teachers, had them in different sessions kind of go over this stuff. And it was very eye-opening. I think, you know, we didn't even cover the enough of it, but we got a good start in it to make people think about some situations that might happen in the classroom. You know, if you yell or raise your voice at a kid, it's over. You know, it doesn't matter what culture they are. You've crossed the line. You're acting just like they are. You know, so there's a time and a place for everything, and that's just one of those things that, you know, you shouldn't do. Back in the day, everybody yelled and screamed. Mm -hmm. You did whatever they asked, Mm to. Coach Fuzzle yelled at me. I go through that (laughs) window, you know. But that day, you know, that day has changed. It's unfortunate, but, I mean, it is what it is, so – just a cultural thing and how to handle those things. Um, there's still a lot of lessons that we could cover, you know, on that. Um, last year was a shortened year, and this year's been a crazy year, but I'm hoping to maybe get back to that one day and um, put some more focus towards that because it, it has helped. It's helped yeah. me in the office. You know, I don't I don't say the things that I used to say. And, I, you know, I was probably when I first started coaching, all I ever saw was coaches that yelled and screamed. It took me about four or five years to realize, you know what, I wouldn't want any grown man to look at my child and yell and scream at him, so I'm not ever going to do it again. And I, mm-hmm. that once I had a child of my own, that made me realize, you know what, you're raising your voice for no reason. So I could get in the kid's ear in his helmet and whisper to him, so you're really messing this drill up, mm-hmm. you know, not call him out in front of all the kids. And you know, you get just as much out of that as you do yelling and screaming. So it's you know, it's tough when you're involved in, in all this, but you know, I never get tired of learning.
0: And, yeah, uh, it's a constant learning curve. Yeah. I mean, it, and, um, you know, even kids from homes that uh, may be put together, uh, obviously the COVID kind of put a strain on that, but um, kind of the, the, the work-life balance from a family standpoint has um, really become strained. You know, it just seems like everything's becoming more expensive or pay's kind of going down or, um, you know, uh, just life in general, social inflation, it just seems to kind of uh, drive these parents to work a lot and maybe not be home, you know, even if if they're there in the first place. And, uh, you know, I think that's really special that, you know, you went to that and and, and saw, uh, you know, you gained a different perspective, you know, and you were able to bring that back. And, um, I think the old guard as far as how to deal with, with children and just people in general is is obviously changing just as society changes within itself. So um, let's talk, uh, we'll move a little bit from that uh, and dive into some football stuff. So um, as you've been coaching there for a while, what, uh, forgive me, but when, um, you know, I don't want to... <laughs> ruffle anybody's feathers but Dixon County High School football uh what's that track record look like kind of when when was kind of the last time they were real hot and then kind of you know um you know what's it looked like you know since then up to up to now well
1: you know a lot of people remember the time before Creekwood you know and in our most dominating days we were just one school in this county and when you have 2300 kids to choose from you're probably going to have a pretty awesome team in every sport Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that you know are having a tough time with kind of the way football is going right now they're thinking they're remembering those times and they're forgetting you know if you take out what has been taken out of our school if you thought about it a second I think you'd have a little different perspective when Creekwood was started you know they basically pulled 900 kids out of our school That's a a huge school, nine hundred kids out of school. They're four A. Even though they pulled nine hundred from us, we were still playing at the the highest level. So we were at fifteen hundred. So basically for the last eight years, we have been the smallest school Mm -hmm. in six A or within the bottom three. Last year's cut was we were the last school. We were one we like ten kids away from being five A, which is no breeze, but it's a big difference, 6A, 5A, you know, when you think about those scales. But anyway, we're still – we're at 1,500 with the bottom of the barrel. We're competing against schools that got 19, 2,000, 2,200 kids, 2,300 with mm-hmm. some some schools. That's a big difference when you're competing with that. So, you know, we went from the day um, – I, I won't know the year for sure, but we had talent like Trevor Daniel uh jaquan lewis uh demonte daniel we had uh, all of these kids we had a tremendous pot of talent of male talent during this time i think that particular year that they graduated i want to say that 19 students uh got d d1 scholarships or d2 we had all these guys they got all these scholarships so we went from all this talent you know back then I would have loved to – and, and on top of what I was saying earlier, we was in the Williamson County District, which
0: yeah. uh, they're awesome <laughs> yeah, every they're year.
1: At least, you know, four out of the six teams are, you know, are incredible. And not just average, they're incredible. And this is who we're competing against. And uh, But we, you know, when we had Trevor and Jaquan and all these stud athletes, you know, Jaquan got a full scholarship to VCU D, D1 basketball, starting point guard his freshman year, Went on. I think he's still playing overseas today. Obviously, Trevor punted for the Titans this past mm-hmm. year. There's some a lot of talent. I, I Name named to mention. There was a ton of kids that were really good back then, and we went from that to to just be quite honest, the male talent level just dropped. Mm. Those kids aren't walking the halls now, or in the last four to eight years. So, you know, we went from that, but the females mm-hmm. were awesome. We won two state championships in softball went to um, the state tournament in girls basketball for three or four straight years made it to the final four one of those years um, we had a we had a, a mcdonald's all-american and uh, lealy carter mm-hmm. we had uh, the gatorade player of the year two years in a row and brooklyn lee's a stud pitcher went on to pitch at belmont mm-hmm. lealy went to vanderbilt i think lealy's Playing overseas now, but we went from all the talent, guys wise, on the other hand, to just nothing. Now, golf, on the other hand, has been awesome. (laughs) Uh, We just keep spitting them out. All these kids are going to college. It it has never stopped, to be honest with you. I mean, every year they've got a study. We've got a, this year we had a freshman that is a, um, um, I just went blank. He doesn't go to our school, he's homeschooled. Okay. But he participated on our golf team, a freshman. He got second in the state this year. Wow. He shot 12 under par in two days. It was like the seventh best score ever shot in the state tournament. and he got second. He was beat out by a kid that was a senior that signed a scholarship at UT Knoxville. Uh, and, and we've got a kid that's playing in Florida right now. Uh, Cam Tankersley is a, another one that's at our school, junior. He's already been uh, he's already signed with David Lipscomb. He could have gone anywhere. But our golf talent has always been up there. But football has been – you know, it's just been a challenge. Well, this year we have just – we have changed districts. We're no longer in the Williamson County District. Mm. Um, We have got some talent at school right now. And uh, I'm really excited about what the future looks to be solid. So what district
0: are are you all in this year? We
1: are in a combination of uh, Metro schools along with Laverne and Smyrna. Okay. So –
0: Are these teams you all have played – Prior in, okay.
1: in the past. Not necessarily last year, but I won't say it's Antioch, Cane Ridge, uh, Overton, McGavick. Okay. I believe it's Overton. And then um, Laverne, Smyrna, and then we'll continue to play Creekwood, Columbia. And I think the other game is Centennial, one of the Williamson County Schools. We are playing one of them, but okay. but that's that's the upcoming schedule. So, you know, it you go through trends where you got all the talent in the world and you know there was just never any big holes when there was 2300 in one Mm -hmm. school you know you split we are still a small county you split that talent you know the way it has been and it, it has been tough for us it's no excuse you know you want to compete no matter what and that's always been our mentality and it's not like they're not trying they're just they've been playing better talent in the last few years for sure but I, I see that turning around, turning the corner, pretty soon.
0: What about? Uh, I know Dixon's got a fishing team as well too, and um, I'm good buddies with Tristan McCormick. He's a family friend of ours, and and he's obviously going on to do big things. And I see pictures, you know, of um, other teams. So how, how? When did that? When did that kind of come about? I well, I guess step back. Personal story is that I'm not a very good fisherman. I'm just kind of a likable guy, and um, I was a on the Chattanooga bass fishing competitive team um i was kind of the guy in the boat that had his gear and his couple poles and everybody else always had a boat but um you tell me where to throw it you know i'll throw it out there i'm just that extra rod in the water kind of thing i like to have a good time but um uh, you know you didn't really see too many high school fishing teams back then and um definitely no real college scholarships so uh, you know how to, what was the kind of the birth of that if you know much about it and, and how was that going
1: I don't know as much about it as I would football, but I'll I'll try to give a little bit of information on it. I don't know how long ago it was, uh, but there was obviously a need. You know, we had a lot, just like bowling, we've got a bowling team now. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have that forever either. But fishing is just something, it was just another opportunity to uh, have a team. And uh, I think since we've started, we probably had four or five kids get a scholarship of some some form or fashion for fishing, which is great because they're getting opportunities based on a sport that we didn't offer and um but uh Tristan's obviously a stud when it comes to fishing mm-hmm. uh but we've got in Bethel must be a re- recruiting hotbed because they've got another one of our students now um that's up there with Tristan but um Zach Bowen I believe okay. is, is there for fishing so it's it's been an opportunity this year they um, for lack of better words broke apart from the high school because of COVID you know, we were having to put restrictions and things on and not allowing them to do certain things mm-hmm. as a school. So they kind of broke off and did their own thing so they could still compete. I'm hoping that, you know, after COVID, all this goes away that they can come back because it was just really cool to see, you know, at one time I thought the uniforms for the fishing team was the coolest uniform on campus. They really <laughs> had it. It was awesome looking. Bowling too. They, they got really creative with their uniforms. So any opportunity that our students have to do something, you know, that you wouldn't normally get to do is is something that we always try to push for.
0: Cool. Good. Um, and I've, I've had this down and I skipped over it, so we'll jump back just real quick and then we'll keep going. Uh got a new football coach, right? Head mm-hmm. coach? Yep. So tell me a little bit about him. Where did he come from and how's that looking? Uh, Greg Burns
1: is his name. He, is, uh, he came from Independence High School. He was uh, kind of born and raised in Louisiana, uh, played himself – I want to say at McNeese State, I think, in Louisiana. But long story short, he has been an assistant coach for 10 years at Independence High School. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been playing Independence for a long time and watched him do the things they're doing. He was uh, a part of a staff that um, won two state championships and a runner-up one year. So, you know, he comes from good stock. The head coach that was there uh, has probably won three state championships, maybe four in his lifetime. So, you know, he's he's coming from someone that, you know, um, has been there and done that. And um, military background, kind of a Mm -hmm. um, really interesting guy. And um, he seems to, you know, his first year of all things, he comes in, he works one day at our school and COVID hit so we shut down the rest of the school year he's the, he literally taught there one day oh, wow. and the very next day we were done so he didn't get the opportunity to do any spring practice i mean he didn't meet the kids hardly mm-hmm. much less do anything productive so they didn't get to do winter workouts together they didn't get to do spring practice they didn't get to do any seven on seven summer tournaments passing leagues any of that stuff a very spare school fall practice because he would have to do in groups of 10 to 15, and they were spread out over three fields. Yeah, oh, wow. you know, it was not a – it wasn't kind for a new coach to walk into any situation. And I don't believe anyone would have succeeded in that situation, especially, you know, with the, the teams that we have been playing. Uh, but he has got to roll into after the season was over. It was a tough season, but he, you know, he made some uh, good connections – we've got uh, some more kids involved now uh, he's been doing something on Twitter it seems like every day of uh, highlighting some kid working out and lifting some awesome weight and uh, this, the kids seem to be energetic and you know are buying in and you know they're gonna have spring practice uh, in about a month so it'll just be exciting for him to have a whole year of doing what you're supposed to do you know with football and let's see how that turns out so but he's a really nice guy and um, he's teaching uh, personal finance right now to be honest okay. with you cool. and uh probably would prefer to be in the gym uh pe classes uh maybe we can work that out soon but he's uh, that's what he's currently doing right now
0: so are things looking you know um how they looking you know i think the world's seemingly there's some states that are starting to open back up and i know you know at least mask mandate stuff and um uh montgomery county and you know a couple other counties around middle tennessee have started to kind of lighten up a little bit and davidson you know in the next several months seemingly is going to do that way and um dixon and i've had this conversation with most of our guests is how well you know not not to isolate the schooling system but you know how just how well the county has has really handled everything um as far as kind of the precautions that were put into place when nobody really knew what was going on and then um you know the 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 massive support that the local community you know fed to these businesses and to these people and uh the support systems that were put into place for those kids with the broken homes and now they're they're stuck there you know maybe school for them was an escape you know and then now they're stuck there so it was just this whole big jumble so um you know how are things looking I guess you know obviously we're kind of coming up on summer but um you know things may kind of blow away but are we are we looking at maybe a little bit of normalcy come back you know first next you know after summer
1: we're you know i don't know what to expect because i mean who knows what'll happen sure. over the summer but I, it's hard to believe that it. it seems like this year's lasted like 10 years and but we're nine weeks away from this school year being over with so we're actually having our first big meetings with seniors uh, next wednesday to discuss prom and graduation and all that stuff uh, Making sure they're on schedule to graduate and all that, but uh, school for us, to be honest with you, we got great leadership at our central office, and uh, we never really missed a beat. Where a lot of schools were all virtual, we went to school. Uh, we may have only did half, um, you know, two days a week. Then the other half, the other two days, and was off a week. Uh, but for the most part, hey, we we went, we stuck our nose in there, and mm-hmm. you know, went after it, and really no hesitation. You know, we had our problems with, you know social distancing in our school that's an old school building and there's a lot of small classes Mm -hmm. so it's hard to keep people six feet apart and it's almost impossible to be quite honest with you so we had always and encourage our students when you walk in the building get a mask on when you're in classrooms that you can be socially distanced you can take it off but anytime you're in the hallway anytime you're in a class that you know doesn't allow for the six feet you know keep your mask on and to be quite honest with you our kids are troopers uh They did an outstanding job with this. I thought we was gonna have a whole lot of bite back. I'm not wearing a dumb mask or you know any of that stuff, and really didn't the kids the first day. You just they're they're putting them on. We you know we we communicated very well over the summer what it was going to look like, so there was no surprises. We put we do a lot of videos and send those out, put it on social media for parents to see and school reach messages so they know what's going on. But um, our kids have done really well with it. You know we had you know when you've got. You know, we had 1,600 that were supposed to be at our building this year. Uh, roughly 25% of them went distance learning, so they did it all from home. So by only having 1,200 students up there instead of 1,600, there was a lot more elbow room. Mm-hmm. You know, So we, we were able to do some things, but we still have not had an assembly. Mm. No, uh, We had a pep rally at, for homecoming at the football stadium this year. We didn't do it in the gym because we just can't do it. We've had no assemblies or sessions in the auditorium because we can't get but a 100 in there socially socially Mm -hmm. distanced. So we've had to do a lot of things by, you know, video. And uh, like we was talking about earlier, our Cougar Nation Network has put a lot of videos out there for people to see and understand what's going on. Uh, Promoting the magazine drive, we had to do the results online, you know, as a video and not all in, in the gym like we always used to do it. But uh, for the long run, I think it's you know the teachers have been troopers. You know if we didn't have the crackpot staff that we've got at our school, they do some amazing things that they've made all of this work. You know it was tough, you know to do all this with all that going on, the fear of getting COVID yourself. Mm-hmm. You know we did have some staff members that was uh, tested positive and uh, kids tested positive and kids that were contact traced, and it was you know it was kind of rough at first, but as you know within a couple of weeks trying to figure out how to do it all it was it was not bad at all and here lately to be honest with you when you when you talk there is light at the end of the tunnel we don't have many contact tracing going on at all Uh, our teachers got their first shot uh, three weeks ago we're getting our second one this friday so uh, that's going to be nice to you know to have two shots in us and and not worry about it as much Uh, so i think just the comfort zone of that is going to kind of put some people at ease but um it has been challenging it's been stressful most not not many teachers would say any different you know
0: yeah and it's um you know and and sometimes challenges like that make a better person out of you you know and, and make you more innovative and you know next time you're in a kind of precarious situation you it's kind of not when there's been there done that but hey i've kind of I've I've been there, you know, and this may not be exact, but you know I made it through that, and here's how I kind of did it, and um, you know in my mind it's it's changed in my world it's changed a lot of I say I don't know if it's changed the way business operates forever, uh, but it really did for that point in time. But as far as kind of how I market and my strategies and stuff like that, they've changed a little bit, and um, you know same with teaching strategies as well too. I'm sure they've had to come up with whole new ways to teach things, you know, whether that be online or in person, but they can kind of implement those new strategies throughout because, you know, if you can make something effective on an online video and you get people to participate and actually be there and do the work, you know, it's, um, you, know, you could really, Take that talent that you learn and taught yourself, and put that in the classroom in person, and just really skyrocket kind of that participation. Well, the
1: the great thing about technology is that it is so advanced now. We were if we had a kid that was contact traced or they, if they were positive at home, we had all of our, all of our teachers had a Chromebook themselves. Also, every kid at our school got a Chromebook. So our teachers, while they were teaching class, instead of having to do two separate lessons for those that were home, they would just turn their computer towards them and just taught class. Mm. So kids were at home. They weren't missing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you just report to your first period class and they're going at it just like you were in there. So they still did assignments. You know, we, we became a Google district um now we do everything through google meets and google documents and okay. google classrooms and all this stuff now so it's just made it seamless you think of all the paper that we don't use anymore because mm-hmm. it's all right there's no there's no reason to we've we've got more paper now than we've ever had at this time <laughs> of the year you know and it's been it's been a huge difference but you know you, you what you're talking about in business is the same way with schools we have learned a lot of things. I don't think we're going to go backwards on some things uh, or go back the way we used to do it. We realized, hey, this isn't a bad gig here. Mm-hmm. You know, we always wonder what would we do for kids. You know, that were in in school suspension. Well, now, mm-hmm. cut your computer on. You can watch class while you're sitting in there. Mm-hmm. You know, just so many things. You know, there was a time where we had a lot of kids out, but teachers were still. You know, they were turning on their Chromebooks and flipping it over and having conversations. Kids were asking questions while they were sitting in their mm-hmm. bedroom at home. And, you know, there has been some things, you know, some discipline issues that come with being at home and a little little more free spirited when you're at home than you would be in the classroom. So, but, you know, that's, that's things, it's just natural, you know, that's, that's going to happen no matter what. And, you know, we've had to come up with some suggestions and have some meetings with parents, but, you know, for the most part, um, kids are resilient. You know, we, uh, I did talk about a lot of, you know, somewhat negative issues earlier, but, you know, um, I look at my job and I look at our school like this and I think it's the best way that most people could say that everything, you know, 99% of my job's awesome. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love what I get to do. I love the opportunities. And I think that most people can probably say that about their job. If they truly love it, 1%, Ooh, it's pretty rough. You know, when it gets to one, it may be up to 2% now for me sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, with, uh, the things that come up, but you know for the most part it's just a great i got a great job got been blessed with a, a great staff great administrators that are we're a great administrative team and you know in a lot of ways we got it made yeah. and um, it you know, you can dwell on the negative like we talked about earlier, but, you know, you can also get rid of things like Facebook where you're not worried about what people say about you. Sure. Uh, you know, you can believe in that quote that you don't seek advice from people, you know, you don't, you don't take advice from people. You wouldn't, yeah. you know, you wouldn't take cr- critics, yeah. you wouldn't listen to that stuff. Yeah. So I always get it wrong if I don't think about it before I say <laughs> it, but it's such a, it's an awesome comment. It's powerful. That, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so kind of on that point, um, we'll kind of go just, I got about two more things and then we can kind of do a just a quick overview of you know where you see Dixon going but um just to kind of I guess highlight you or maybe something you spearheaded or um you know we'll we'll get both ends of the spectrum here as far as you know in your role at Dixon County High School uh whether that be coaching or or teaching um you know what what is one thing you're most proud of that you've done um and then the opposite end maybe something that um maybe you don't necessarily regret but uh you did something and and may have done it differently and have kind of learned from it so
1: well probably something that i regret is uh for about a four-year stint i was the head coach at dixon middle school mm. and uh for football and uh totally loved it had some friends that kind of joined me just to help out for free and just had a ball football was fun middle school the kids still are in a very impressionable age uh, want to learn a lot. They, you definitely don't hear any, many mm-hmm. running their chops and all that stuff, but it's just its still, for the love of the game, that I worry about college scholarships or any of that stuff, just had a ball. I would, To be honest with you, I wish I would have kind of stayed doing that, and it's nothing against, because I got to be an assistant coach from one of my dearest friends, Troy Williams, who was the head coach at the time, and got to be the offensive coordinator on his staff when he became the head coach, and I, I don't regret that at all but it was really fun to get to do be the head coach at the middle school and just we just had a ball yeah. it was fun it was very way less stressful than yeah. coaching at the high school you yeah. know when you're expected to win and you know you're expected to win at Dixon middle because Jackie Bledsoe didn't lose a game for like a 100 years when he <laughs> coached there but it was just fun it was way more fun because it was just more relaxing yeah. uh, you know that, that's not a big regret because I like I said I got the opportunity to coach with Troy Williams who's just one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet and such a fine Christian man and just I mean he's just good stuff mm-hmm. I, mean, I could go on and on about Troy but that would be something I regret I think one of the coolest things that I've being a part of other than just being a teacher the personal finance end is something that I'm very proud of when when I know I had the opportunity to I, I may not have taught him much but. And they, I might not have thought they were listening, but they heard it. You know, they, they didn't just go in one ear and out the other. They, they really paid attention to that stuff. But probably one of the – another, I think, proud thing is we started – we discussed that Cougar Nation Network. We, we kind of built that up from scratch, um, basically with roughly about ten grand. Uh, bought three high-end uh, video cameras and uh, sound equipment and everything that you need for a small studio – the students bought in and wanted to label the studio Studio 72 for when the school first started oh, in year cool. 1972. They called it the Cougar Nation Network. I was kind of worried about CNN, but uh, <laughs> nobody's called yet. Okay. so I haven't <laughs> did that. But we literally started that from scratch and Kristen England came to us with a huge background in all things, media. And um, those kids have literally taken it by the horns. We've got kids that can be producers at a television show right now. I mean, they, they have learned a lot, and they're juniors. What's so exciting So they're going to be back next year. But these guys took just a bunch of equipment and started clowning around with it to the point where they were live streaming our, our prom, uh, our graduation last year, as we discussed earlier. I, I can't remember the exact numbers. One, one big video was over or 6,000 another was over 7 or 8,000 but where you know last year because of COVID we had to limit each student that only got four tickets so you know we're used to having 5,800 to 6,200 people there watching graduation the, I mean the stands are never that mm-hmm. packed you know for anything else other than graduation or now a Creekwood football game right. or when you advance later in the playoffs but to see that many people down to you know restfully there was about 1,200 people there last year and when you have people all over the world that would normally come to watch their grandson or granddaughter or aunts, nieces, whatever, graduate, they couldn't come. Mm -hmm. But this group gave them opportunity to sit at home in front of their television, cut on YouTube, and watch a live stream of our graduation, hear the speeches, see the kids get their diplomas. Our cameramen, we have a We had cameras in uh, strategic locations. Craig Anderson is a local guy in town that does all the video work for the Nashville Predators. Mm. And uh, I think he does like the jumbotron video and all that. So he brought his knowledge of the equipment that we needed to order and train the kids on what to do. And these kids ran with it and ran a, a live stream graduation, just flawless where people from other countries got to watch our graduation. They've, They've been doing live streaming of football games and basketball games where people that, you know, we've been limited. You can only have 300 people in the gym for a basketball game, roughly 1,000 to 1,200 for football games where people could actually watch those games from home. And we've used WDKN, their announcers, because mm. kids aren't quite ready to do the announcing. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> you got to really know what you're doing when you're doing that. So – uh, uh, Lucas Panzika of WDKN and Rodney Parker, who normally do our play-by-plays are, uh, we're using their voices, but our kids are doing all the other, cool. uh, kids are creating their own scoreboards, you know, uh, the cameras on, you know, the clock, the scoreboard, they're running it all switching scenes. When they, when they were doing basketball games this year, it literally looked like ESPN. You had three cameras flopping as the plays going on and the stats wow. and everything. And they, the score, not stats, they'll sure. get there but um that's just something that i look back on that I, I i will it will be cool to see how many kids get involved in something along with that that would have never had that opportunity had that not been started so it was it was one of those things you get lucky every now and then with an idea and absolutely I think it's, I think well it's you know out of the
0: ashes is birth something new you know and <clears throat> i'm sure that it may or may not have happened given you know whatever happened to COVID. and um but it it it, it was able to be utilized, I guess, in a more specific purpose given, you know, you couldn't have people there. So, um, and, and, and now, you know, with the day of social media and you know, people are making millions of dollars on YouTube or, you know, TikTok or Instagram, whatever it may be. Um, and to give those kids the opportunity, cause I mean, it, it, depending on what you're doing, you know, if you're moral about it and you're, and you're pushing a good message and, um, you know, you're, you're well intended on your endeavor to do such, um, you make good living you know this isn't you know the college nine to five or whatever maybe and giving those kids that opportunity with a camera and mics and how to run things like that you know you you all could have um birthed a new person out of a high school student who may or may not have been lost on their direction mm-hmm. in life and uh, shout out to christian for helping out with that too she's helped out with some things that i've worked on with cody and some nonprofit stuff and has always done a great job so that's that's yeah, awesome she's, that she's done that
1: she's awesome
0: cool um so one more question kind of just personally about you and then we'll just do about another five minutes on Dixon um <clears throat> so given all this all that you do all that you've been through and um kind of the changes uh obviously in in um management style uh, throughout the high school uh, for you personally I know that um it's kind of a you know especially with COVID sometimes I'm, um a heavy cross to bear and um I'm sure you've got a lot on your mind and um, you know, maybe seek some guidance. So, um, you know, what are some things for you personally that you do in order to kind of deal with that, you know, with the responsibilities and that weight and, um, the decisions that you've got to make, you know, are there, are there books that you read or church or, I mean, what, what, what's kind of not necessarily your release, but, you know, how do you, how do you kind of find peace with all, with everything going on and, you know, before you move forward with whatever you're doing?
1: Well, I actually like to write everything on faith. Uh, obviously that's a big, big key in my life. And obviously it wouldn't be anywhere. Uh, I wouldn't have done anything I've done so far without it. Um, uh, definitely the relationship piece there has helped me do everything. I do try to base it. You know, you're in a world where you can't talk about it at school, Mm -hmm. but you can do the little things that, that people know, you know, you know, what, where you're coming from. So I like to, I like, I know that's my anchor sure. Um, I was told when I first took the job, um, pray and pray often. So some, you know, obviously do every day that uh, keeps you grounded and, you know, pray for things that help you do your job in a way that, uh, you know, if he was sitting in your seat, that's the way it'd be run. So that's, that's everything, you know, to me. And um, uh, I can't imagine not having that, you know, the faith for sure. But um, have been blessed to have also counsel, you know, um, um, I attend Walnut Street Church of Christ and, uh, my old principal and one of my dear friends, George Caldell Mm -hmm. is an elder there. And, um, he has given me some advice that, uh, has been very practical and it, it's something that I will always remember. And it's something that I have taught. Um, actually when I interview coaches, this is, I use what he told me because it's so important, but he, he looked at me and after church one day he said can do you got a minute and I said sure he said I want to talk to you about something I'm gonna give you three things that you'll be successful as being a principal if you'll do these three things so I'm thinking that I can probably remember my wife grabbed a visitor card out of the pew and she's <laughs> ready to write but uh it's funny but it stands for OCD uh the initials of the three things uh organization communication delegation mm. he Said if you can do those three things um you know you you can be successful and you know I never dreamed not one day in my life that I ever dreamed I'd be a principal at Dixon County High School that was never on the plate but you know being in any leadership position you've got to be organized really anything you do in life period it doesn't matter what your role is you you better be organized uh, you better be able to communicate um, no matter what you do uh, that C and OCD is so important you know with teachers you know, with all the things that educators fight now, you know, it's not great pay. You know, you're dealing with kids that run their mouths at you, and you, you got to sit there and take it. Or, you know, it's just the uh, things have changed so much. But having people know what's going on at all times, you know, um, communicating with the public, letting them know, make sure what's going on. I did a school reach right before I came here. So uh, I think 5,000 people, 5,000 phone calls were made through this thing that, you know, they got a message about three big things that are coming up but communication is a huge thing and it took me I don't know I never thought I was that organized but I've had to be now Um, I always thought I was a pretty good communicator but obviously I wasn't where I needed to be but the delegator was the hard thing Mm -hmm. is giving up things that you know you get you have to realize really quick you can't do everything and I've learned this is my six years being a principal, and I've learned every year that the more I delegate, the more things run smoothly. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't take on too much, so um, you know I've given out jobs and things to the assistant principals and, and their troopers. We've got a great staff that I talked about earlier, uh, but they take it and run with it. And um, but you you got to be able to do those thing, three things. So. When I interview coaches, when I interview teachers, I usually mention the OCD and they look at me and they smile, but those are three powerful things that if you can do that, and it's always easy to remember OCD, mm-hmm. um, but that's a very, very good life lesson that comes with that, being able to do that. So that's,
0: that, awesome. that's for sure. Yeah. So I'm always good to have something to, to fall back on. You know, it's. Um, and, and, and when you're interviewing people as well too, you know, those are potentially people you're going to have to delegate stuff to. So making sure that everybody's, you know, on the same page as far as what's known and who does what is, um, I mean, it's just as important here, you know, at our office as well too, because, you know, we all can do all of it, but neither, you know, none of us individually be as successful as we are, you know, if we didn't really kind of hone in on, um, you know, a, what our talents are. Uh, and what we enjoy doing um you know and uh, be kind of what somebody else may be better at, you know doing that and it just makes the whole operation run a lot more smooth so um cool so we'll step, we'll take a-, a step back and a, a 30,000 foot view here as far as Dixon you've been here for a long time your whole life and um seeing where it's kind of come from and I know I've touched on this in some past episodes for those y'all you- listening maybe a little repeat but um you know obviously a lot of changes going on as far as down 46 and downtown specifically as well too and um you know what are a few things that you know in the past five you know, the past eight or so years 10 years really has been kind of some of the biggest momentous changes you know with thornton drive coming in and um you know the downtown revitalization and obviously the new burn school and um all the residential stuff going on in burns and um, you know, we're kind of at this point now where it's you know we're really getting some momentum and there's some things that are happening. So I guess maybe you know what are some uh, one or two good things that have happened in the past ten years and then um, that you you know see that uh, maybe put Dixon on the map or really you know assisted in that growth and then um, you know maybe where do you where do you see it going down the road just next couple of years?
1: Well, as far as education is concerned, I think a great thing uh, for us specifically at Dixon County High School was Burns middle School you know forever we've only had just one middle school feeding our school and regardless of what people may or may think about sports you know you it can go a hundred different ways there you know when you've only when you've got my my last year at Dixon middle School I had 138 kids trial for football well and I was told don't not cutting any of them which is great that's mm-hmm. fine just make sure we got equipment but you got 138 kids out there on the field. You're only going to play about 22 of them. What are the other ones going to do? Mm-hmm. So in the past, we've also been not hurt, but it hasn't benefited us by having – we've just got one quarterback coming to compete for a job, and they know ain't nobody else taking my job, so the work ethic to me has changed. You know, they don't feel like they got to compete as much because they know who's around them. They've been the starting quarterback or the starting running back or whatever. Well, now we got Burns Middle School. Hmm. And they've been very successful in sports their first year. And now instead of just having one kid that can be the starting pitcher or the starting quarterback or the linebacker or the fisherman or whatever, Mm -hmm. now you got two. And I think that we're going to start seeing an impact. We may not see it this coming year, but I think in the next couple of years you're going to see that, you know, a kid that may go out there with 139 may deal with it for one year, but the next year if they're not playing – they're not ever going to play again. Why, why am I going to do this? I'm wasting my time. I never get to play down. Where Now you've got two schools that are compete, you know, playing and a multiple kids are getting to play. And so they're going to be basically more trained by the time they get to us. And then the competitive nature is the, to me, is the biggest part. They, they're not going to get fat and lazy because they look around, and they know who they're going to be mm-hmm. now. Well, now you better, you better show up to play the way it used to be when we were here. You know, it used to be, Three junior highs that fed Dixon County High School, and you never knew. You better be ready to play. Or you might not ever get to play. It was rare that sophomores ever got on the field.
0: Mm.
1: Now freshmen are having to start, and that's a huge difference when you got a 14- or 15-year-old competing against an 18-year-old that's fixing to go to college mm-hmm. the very next year. And that's what that's where we've been in the last three or four years for sure. Freshmen, you would have never dreamed of a freshman playing at all. And usually when they got in there, it was a joke. Now we've had to start freshmen. And some of them are okay, but they're just not at that oh, there's level. There's a massive size
0: difference. Right. Yeah.
1: So I think that for the education system, I think that middle school is going to help us. And I think it's going to help the county because more kids are going to get involved. And that will be a twist at what I will say next. Um, I personally wish we just had one big high school. Um I'm very opposite of what others think. And I'm all for whatever anybody wants to do, I'm good with. You know, that part doesn't matter. But how cool would it be to have one school to be able to offer so many more programs? Now Mm -hmm. we're split. You know, we've got us in Creekwood. And yes, more kids are getting to compete and play and participate, more valedictorians, more, you know, band leaders, more top tuba players, whatever the case may be. But we can't only offer so many advanced classes because you got to have X amount to even offer the class. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking that, you know, we we have four – kids can take four years of Spanish, four years of French now where they used to couldn't do that. They're taking an AP level at the end where they can literally be – you know, they're getting college credit for these classes. We have upper level statistics, calculus, environmental science. We have a lot of this stuff but both schools aren't offering that upper level stuff because we don't have enough kids to participate Whether well, we had one big school it would be cool i think it you know i think there's a lot of people that miss it just being one high school you know you split in talent in a lot of ways um so it's kind of role, reverse, role reversal i would hate the thought of there being a third high school okay that's where uh, I was going to go is you know myself uh and it's not it's just me personally. It's got nothing to do with anybody's beliefs or anything. I think a third high school would be great in so many ways, but you're splitting it again. You know, how much support can our county support three high schools? Mm-hmm. I mean, how much are they truly supporting two now? You know, when you're your business in Dixon, do you feel like you've got to do Dixon and Charlotte? Right. Or, you know, or just Dixon. Charlotte businesses are probably just doing – Mm-hmm. Charlotte business, but Dixon feels like you have got to you know, support both. And I think it puts people in a bind on, on the support end. And, and and yes, we are growing, but we still don't spend a whole lot on education mm-hmm. uh, in the long run. So um, as compared to other schools. you know, like So that
0: the- number of total student body is going to be where the the basis for how much money you may get for a program. So what's the breaking mm-hmm. point on that? I mean, what, what, is it, what does it have to be in order to get –
1: well, I'm not sure. Uh, that would be okay. that would be somebody above my pay grade okay. for sure. But, you know, when you start looking at, at that end, you know, we, we, com- we are competing against schools in the Williamson County District that their city gives them $100,000 for their sports programs. Nobody's giving us anything. Mm-hmm. We're having a fundraise for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Or some donor comes in and says, Hey, man, you need something? Let me help you do this. And we have a great community that does that. But our... Our county is not; it doesn't work that way. We don't have cool springs. I get that. We don't sure. have the business network that Williamson County does. But they're giving a the school a hundred thousand dollars where we don't get that. An average teacher can leave here and go to Williamson County and make eight to ten thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's tough to compete with. You know, I lost a teacher this year, left after Christmas, to a job at Williamson County that he actually made ten thousand more dollars.
0: Well. It's a tough market. That's the tough. Yeah. So yeah.
1: if you if you get another school, where are you going to get all the sure. teachers? I, I'm just thinking of that in, I'm, once again, I'm not anti a third school. Right. Uh, I would love it to be one school, and not that I would ever want to be the principal of one big school. But I think it would be cool to go back to reflect back the way it was with one big school and how dominating we were, not in just sports but in you know in school and band and choir and plays the you know we did a lot of cool things so it it goes both ways and i won't live this i don't believe i will be in the profession long enough that another high school will be built i think i think it'll take a long time for any that happens uh this is year 24 for me and Mm -hmm. in theory i've got six more so i don't think in six years a lot of things is going to happen along those lines but I think that you would agree that Dixon is an incredible place to live. Uh, the county is so supportive. When you when you think when I also think about the support of the one school, you know another thing that I would be proud of is that our alumni came together and paid for our LED sign that's out mm. in front. It's a nice sign too. Yes, yeah, yeah. And to think that alumni in two months raised sixty four thousand dollars base sixty three to sixty four thousand dollars wow. in two months that their love of that school is what you know they didn't do that just because they hated the school they had great memories of it and uh you know when you think of that in the network of people that you have uh that can do something that would be for one school i think you could get a lot of stuff done too but that was definitely another problem with the sign when i think about that but mm. so many people were just so it was just that whole experience was so cool that people got involved to,
0: Well, it looks great, too. You've got your announcements up there as well, Mm -hmm. too. And, um, you know, it's well positioned and and well done. You know, it's not something that was just kind of stuck up there. Um, Interesting. Um, I never really put the perspective as far as kind of the limitation of classes and opportunities, you know, by separating the schools out. And, um, you know, with just the two, it obviously seems pretty stretched. And so, you know, I guess it's really just a matter of – overall county population you know what what's the push and and you know unfortunately right now Dixon you know we had I've started a little new Dixon real estate market uh, short kind of condensed podcast with some uh, local agents and serve local brokers and um, uh, there's bottleneck for availability for housing you Mm -hmm. know and and I've talked to Jason Pilkington and a couple other people as well that there's another bottleneck for infrastructure. So, you know, Dixon, you're right, is at this point of, right. of what do we do, you know, and how do we overcome these hurdles? And then, you know, COVID came and slapped everybody in the face and, you know, made everybody kind of take a look at their life and kind of you know, right. where are we going and what do we need to do and uh, step back from things well, a little I say, Well,
1: I will say this, that regardless of what decisions were made on the school, we are packed in our school. I mean, we we can't handle them anymore. Uh, when they decided to build Creekwood um, – the main thing was overpopulation, and at that point we had, I think it was thirteen hundred mm-hmm. and seventy-five students, thirteen eighty-five. We had sixteen hundred this year. Wow. So we we need another hallway, uh, mm-hmm. something in the future uh, if they're not going to build another school. Uh, but at that same mind, maybe we need a school. You know, I. It doesn't matter to me. So your I, dream
0: would be just be like a, a school mahal, like a just a massive, mm-hmm. massive complex of sorts, and maybe
1: awesome. You know, there's schools in Oklahoma and Texas that are forty five hundred kids in one school, I and mean, they've got everything. They've got everything you would ever want because they're putting all their money in, in one school. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, it's got advantages. It's got a disadvantage. That's a big school. There's a sure. lot going on there. The opportunities are. You only have one valedictorian. You know, mm-hmm. you only got one stud quarterback or. Starting pitcher, the lead in the play, um, so it, it you know there's 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 positives and negatives to both, but uh, when you're talking about bottlenecking, we're jam packed up there. We can't hardly hold many more students, wow. so that that makes it tough too. When you're talking about you know what in the world we're going to do, so yeah. it may possibly need to be that they're either going to have to rezone one day and send more students to Creekwood, which I can't stand the thought of either, or build a school or build on to ours. Uh, I know Ralph Overton back in the day when he was principal, he just begged him, don't build another school, just build us another wing, you mm-hmm. know, save the money, let's stay in one school. And there was a lot of insight with that and uh, a lot of uh, great thought that goes into that. Uh, but it's all good, man. We're going to make the most of it, whatever yeah. it is. And uh, like I said, we got a great bunch of educators on the hill and administrators that do an awesome job every day. And uh, if we have seventeen hundred or twenty five hundred, it won't matter. We're we're gonna still keep plugging. So cool. it's a great school, and I think that uh, people that graduated from there, if they walk down the halls again, still now they'd still be proud of what goes on. So it's awesome.
0: Well, good. Yeah, and from everything I hear, people I've talked to about you, and um, things I was reading, and obviously this conversation, you seem like a well-intended stand-up guy. You know that uh, you know no got no BS kind of attitude, and um, that. Uh, well-structured and, the OCDs, you know, hits right home. You know, that's, that's a great structure to kind of have in place, especially in the schooling system with so many different roles uh, that have to be played and, and, boxes that have to be checked and everything like that as well too. So um, cool. Well, that's, we're almost at an hour and a half. Fantastic. You know, I mean, things, <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> no, no apologies. That's how they go. And, 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 and I, uh, 90% of the people I do this with say, Man, you know, I didn't realize it was that long, and, you know, we should do a follow up kind of thing. And I I fully intend on that as far as kind of picking up where some conversations left off and doing some maybe a little short 10, 15-minute checkbacks on some topics that people may sure. want to know some more about, stuff like that as well, too. So, um,
1: Well, I'm blessed with a great wife of 30 years. That's Be awesome. 31 in a little over a month wow. now. Got uh, a son that has graduated from Harding University and uh, is a theater major and is hoping when COVID stops that he's going to actually get to do what he really wants to do. Good. He's living in Atlanta now, and I've got a sophomore in college at Bethel that's on a college uh, golf scholarship, playing mm-hmm. golf down there and doing great things so uh i am blessed by faith but i'm blessed by family too yeah, and proud a, papa it sounds like That's absolutely awesome. i could good i could talk <laughs> a long time about them too so <laughs> but like you said it sounds like we went over time so well hey.
0: yeah we'll we'll definitely do it again and um yeah do you got anything else you want to finish off anything you want to tell everybody
1: no i, I appreciate the opportunity uh oh, cool. for this uh definitely honored to be a part of your, uh, podcast. I've never done anything like this before, oh. definitely not for an hour and a half. So, yeah. uh, but, um, thank you for what you do in the community. And, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody buys into this and doubles your membership of viewers and, uh, soon, but, uh, thank you for what you do and what you represent in this community. And, Definitely love Aunt Cheryl and, and some of the other family members too. <laughs> Uncle Randy, uh, dear friends of mine too. So good. you come from good people. So um, thank you, thank uh, you, appreciate it.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, yeah, guys, this is thanks for joining the journey. Um, this is growing and changing, and I'm flying by the seat of my pants with this thing. You know, I'm I'm just sending emails out here and there, and whoever responds has got an opportunity to to jump on. I've got uh, Zach Brooks with Zach Music tomorrow. Uh, if all goes well, he's on the list and we've had to push a couple times, but he'll be coming up. So um, thank you guys again for listening. Please uh, like and share and comment on this on Facebook, Instagram, um, at Your Vibes Podcast. And then uh, com is the website where you can find everything. Uh, we're also on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Joey, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will see you guys next time.
1: Thanks.